almost the weekend. It is. Get your weekend receptacles ready. Open them <laughs> wide. Because here comes the weekend. <laughs> We're coming in hot. Coming in hot. Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, how you doing, dude? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I'm trucking along. I'm on the road of life playing that game where you try and get between all the little signs on the road. Did you ever play that game as a kid? You uh... Like, you, like, blink in between the uh, reflectors that are on the road. Oh, was it, uh, like, a Game & Watch game? <laughs> no, it was a, a human game that you play with human eyes with your human oh, brain. in the real world. In the real world. We're IRL right now. Yeah, okay. No, I don't think I did. Yeah, okay. That's that's fair. It's one of those. I think it's a similar game to when you walk on the street and you avoid the cracks. Oh, right, right, right. I yeah. always used to imagine, like, a Wendigo, like, running along the side of the car. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, imagine there's, like, a creature, like, running alongside. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm good. I'm on that road. I'm playing that game. Um, <laughs> all right, we're going to kill the metaphor. Uh, I have been playing some some good games, actually. Just oh. keep keeping up with this run of solid shit. Um, I've been playing some Enter the Gungeon. Oh, uh, Gungeon. Hell yeah. Yeah, and this is a game, like, we used to play after boxing class a long time ago. Yeah, way um, back. Yeah, yeah. I remember just having a few runs with you and really enjoying it. Um, but I obviously never got to sink my teeth in, but I, I love it. I think it's awesome. It's like yeah. slow, but solid. Um, they know their audience. Like there's, there's an option to press a button as soon as the developer credits show up when you boot up the game. And so like, you know, it comes up with whoever the studio was and they're like down the bottom, it says press X to start a run. And I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that, you know, it's kind of like when you're stuck at a boss in a video game and you, you can skip the cutscene, but this is like, once you've seen the developer credits once, you just want to get right into the action. And I just, yeah, yeah. I think more games should have that. Um, yeah. But the flavor's super good. Everything is guns or things related to guns. All the enemies are guns. They're bullets. They're based on puns relating to guns or bullets. Um okay there's even a gun that's a bullet that shoots guns that shoots bullets like it's <laughs> it's very exciting for me um, yeah, yeah and i like that the roguelike aspect is kind of different to um to to other roguelikes that i'm a big fan of oh. like there's no there's no upgrading your weapons there's this focus on variety of weapons to get you through the dungeons right uh, which is different to like all the other um roguelikes i've played like even slay the spire you know you you have like a variety of cards but you can still upgrade those cards whereas this yeah. is just you the know, standard kit it yeah it's just the standard and it's about variety so that's that's like a kind of interesting mix-up that makes every run even more different because they've gone for like you know, hundreds and hundreds of guns rather than right. 50, 50 guns and, like, 30 different upgrades. Yeah, that's interesting. So do you often come across duplicates or is it, like, nearly every time you get something new? Yeah, I mean, I've done... I, I saw the credits after 19 runs and huh. um, I feel like I've seen maybe half the guns. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, yeah, it's it's not quite the same as as, um, say, Hades or Slay the Spire, where when you, you know, you beat the final boss, 
it, you feel like you're just beginning the game. This this mm. kind of felt like I, 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 f- I felt like I had seen most of it, um, mm. even if even in just twenty runs. But um, yeah, it's still like really fun, and the music fucking slams, dude. Mm. I don't remember the music being as good as it is. Um, yeah, I, maybe we were playing it on mute or something, but I don't remember the music either. Oh, dude, it's killer! Like whoever whoever wrote the music is a big Flying Lotus fan. Like, oh hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, it 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 pumps. Um, and what else I've been playing? Oh, I've been playing that that Joe number two Zelda: A Link Between Worlds. Oh wow, wow! I started that shit up. Um, and man, like you know, pulling the 3ds out of antiquity and it's yeah. still got 75 percent battery <laughs> what <laughs> like, that's what uh, just incredible device i mean it's been, hasn't been turned on in literal years maybe three or four years yeah and Ugh. and it's just ready to rock it's powering two screens at once like yeah dude is is nintendo harboring some kind of battery technology that like the military needs to pay attention to Totally, yeah. They've like um, they've cracked some secret like lithium code where like, they've <laughs> made a deal with the lithium devil. And uh, <laughs> um, I've been reading too much Chainsaw Man. <laughs> oh my god, that's, that's shit happens constantly in that. Um, that's awesome though, dude. Uh, hell yeah, love to hear that you're playing a game on top. What what's your opinion so far? Um, the music is is real cute. It's very charming. Um, the level design slays. You know, this this ain't no copy paste bullshit. You got to earn every chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I was up to a point where I was like, man, I wish this game was only dungeons. Like the the world you explore is like cool, but like quite small. And once I'd explored it, I was just like, oh man, I just want I just want to fast track to all the dungeons. Yeah. But yeah. then this thing happens, and you can travel between the two worlds. Yeah. And it's it's awesome because it gives you incentive to actually go exploring and find all the little cracks. And yep. I just thought that was great. I was like, oh, man, actually, the world does make sense in this context. So, um, yep. yeah, the, the only gripe I have is that the conveyance is atrocious. Like, yeah. it's it's almost comical how bad it is. So, yeah, like. Right. At the this fir- game. <laughs> oh. always like, you must rescue the princess, you know, like, <laughs> it's bad. It, yeah, it was like, at the start, this sage was like, I'm going to mark your map, right? And he puts two X's on your map, and I'm like, great, that's fantastic. I go to these X's, talk to all the characters around the X's, I can't access the dungeon. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go to the fortune teller to just, you know, see what's up, because, like, they at least tell you if you need a hint, you can go to this character. Right. Um, so I do that, and the fortune teller's like, oh, yeah, to advance through that dungeon, you need to go to the complete opposite side of the map and talk oh to this character God. no one has ever mentioned. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, why yeah. would you mark that on my map and not, like, at least have a hint in that area saying this is where you need to go? <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, other than that, I am having a really good time. Oh, that's good, that's good. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, dude, I've been I've been playing some Hollow Knight. Um, oh, tell me, tell me. Yeah. I I feel like I want to have like a Hollow Knight degustation sesh at some point. I'm oh. not fully like ready to disclose all of my opinions, but mm-hmm. um I'm really enjoying it and I will I will finish it this time around. I'm I'm very confident, but um 
yeah, I just, I, it's parts of it that make me not want to play it. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that, that it's, it's almost like the example that I gave a little uh, ages ago now of, um, uh, what was it? The uh, Dead Cells making me not want to play the game. Like it's like strings mm -hmm. me along. It does a really good job of like getting me to from point A to point B and then it'll do something and just like, suddenly just like now i don't want to play this game anymore <laughs> like this decision that they've made is like yeah man i don't know maybe it's just me being a little baby little baby boy i, but, I um... mean i mean they are very punishing titles like yeah Ho hollow knight and dead cells are like two of the hardest games you can play um, yeah at least two of the hardest games that i've played um yeah but but one thing i will say especially from like an enjoyment perspective from hollow knight for me, it came from really wanting to like get around every nook and cranny in that game. Yeah. So like when you when you boot up your save, right, you might have like a percentage, and that that percentage is tied to like what you've accomplished in the game, and you can beat Hollow Knight with only eleven percent, and yeah, there's a hundred and twelve percent worth of things to do. Oh God. So like I think. I think if you're looking to like fast track away to the end, I don't think you're going to have a good time because yeah, yeah. you can just, you can get to the final boss without, you know, even half of the movement upgrades and like, yeah. you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think the enjoyment definitely comes from like being able to settle in, get familiar with dying a lot. Um, and it's like, I, I think it's just like, you know, both of us find like get enjoyment out of different things like i remember mm -hmm. when you were talking about that dead cells experience where you would you died and you didn't want to play and i was like man i i i feel like dying in dead cells has never had that effect on me I, you know i i wonder why that is and i like jumped in and, and looked at look at my stats and like i've done 400 and f it was like four between 400 and 410 runs in that game right and I've beat the boss six times. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just... I, I, I think, like, if you can familiarise yourself with just that feeling of, like, all right, you know, get knocked down, get up again, I think you'll have a much better time because otherwise, yeah, it's just going to be a bit of a slog. Totally. Yeah, it's not so much that I mind dying in Hollow Knight. I think dying is actually really good in Hollow Knight compared to Dead Cells. Mm -hmm. um but if there's just like something to do with the we're, we're diving in we're diving in by accident <laughs> it's something to do with the um traversal and the way that it asks you to travel a vast distance to sort of do anything mm, so like mm -hmm. the this the fast travel stations are great i love them but i just wish that there was more of them closer together or that i could travel a different way mm, mm -hmm. um because like a lot of the time i'll, I'll boot up the game and be like oh i know where i need to go i know how to get there and then i'll be like you know 15 minutes in and i'm like look at the map and i'm like i'm halfway there <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah it's it's this game that like re like and it's like feels good to move in this game and i feel like they've made a mistake where they're like um we know that our movement and our combat is like s tier you know double s tier this is like some of the best movement and combat that you can do in the game mm -hmm. and so the player won't mind having to like redo all of these sections like so many times just because mm. the movement and combat is so good i'm like 
yes, but also, once I've done it three or four times, I don't want to do it anymore, man. Like, I've killed the same. <laughs> Maybe I'm just backtracking too much, or I'm yeah. getting lost too frequently or something. But yeah, I just I don't... I'm, I'm sick of, like, you know, the 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 way that it's asking me to like traverse the entire map many times yeah i think i think that's pretty fair um but yeah i'd be surprised if like you needed to backtrack any more than three or four times like yeah, that right. that generally seems to be about the the limit from from the playthroughs that i've done and i yeah. think i think part of the design that helps you avoid backtracking is every area has more than one entrance to it yeah so, yeah. so like and unless yeah yeah i I, th I think that's totally fair um mm. and i think maybe it's it's going to be dependent on like individual experience totally and i guess like if there's folks out there that don't enjoy that style of movement and combat then the game is just like oh i don't want to play this game right now oh, I totally never play this game because it's just like even though there's so much to be had had you know there's like amazing bosses and like fun little secrets to find and like abilities to like there's so much good juice in there but it's just like well if you don't enjoy that part then it's kind of like you know what, what do i do now totally yeah no, um, which is kind of the same with any game i yeah. guess <laughs> yeah yeah anyway um <laughs> so yeah that's what that's the episode everyone <laughs> see you next time oh my god um, so shall we dive on? Actually, no, I have three piece feed. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I, I brought a three piece feed. Gather around the kitchen table as I D dish out these morsels of news. Hell yeah. Dump my plate high. Okay. Let me find it it's somewhere deep in the notes. Okay. Um, so the first piece of news, mm -hmm. Hideo Kojima is starting a podcast and it's released and oh. uh, has something to do with Jeff Keighley, and there's an English and Japanese version, so if you want to listen, you can. Oh, cool. Who's Jeff yeah. Keighley? Jeff, isn't Jeff Keighley the um, Sony PlayStation, uh, what's he called? The He hosts the Game Awards. Oh, okay. I've I've never seen the Game Awards. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he's like a, he's a friend of Kojima, and um, when the whole Konami thing was happening, he, he had a, a pretty not so subtle dig at them when kojima couldn't come to the game awards because of some drama that was going on Ah, uh, good on him yeah all right we like um, that this is something of a small piece of news maybe like a single bag chip i guess but uh <laughs> death death stranding is coming to game pass oh on xbox yeah oh great so you'll be able to play play get, get game pass and play your death stranding down with capitalism no exclusives <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> that was capitalism and also put games on Game Pass. Okay. Um, yeah, all right. Fake new, all out. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I agree with both. Um, new new PlayStation 5 controller has some extra triggers. So, yeah, they just released a new PlayStation. Oh, they announced a new PlayStation 5 controller. What's Wait, nice. So, there's like three sets of triggers now? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. They're like little paddles. Uh, I haven't. It's been kind of hard to get a, a good picture of this thing, at least in my experience. I haven't mm -hmm. looked that hard, but there's like a little trailer video where they show the thing piecing together like an iPhone commercial, and uh, there's an extra set of triggers in there somewhere. Triggies. Mm -hmm. mm. Very exciting news, of course. Um, <laughs> there was a new Dune game announced, and oh. um, it got a cinematic trailer, and it is a survival MMO. 
so I don't think I'll be playing it, but uh, looks looks like a Dune game. It's weird to me that like Dune after the that movie is seeing such a I don't know. There's been like a um, real time strategy game based around the movie that came out around the same time, and now they're doing wow. this MMO, which seems very bold. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Hollywood is is just trying to work out the best way to cash in on its IPs in the video games mm. realm. Like, you know, they look at those stats that you talked about a couple of weeks ago, might be months ago now, where it was like, you know, mobile games turned over $1 billion in Australia yeah. this financial year. And it's like, ooh, man, if we just put, like, the Avengers logo on that mobile game all of the sudden. Hmm. Yes. Um, totally. It's, uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how to feel about video game movie tie-ins. Like, didn't we do it? We did an episode about it, didn't we? Yeah, we were like, they're shit. <laughs> yeah yeah we came to the conclusion that they're mostly cash grab garbage yeah yeah you don't need to listen to that episode now we just saved you an hour <laughs> well no go, go listen to it <laughs> uh okay i mean we're going to assume you have listened to it uh, and that's all the news hell yeah i got i got a kind of weird bag chip for you if you like oh, yeah. um so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm subscribed to that EB Games email I talked about, which is just uh, like yes. the Australian version of GameStop or like, you know, just the Australian video game corporate chain by shopfront money. Anyway, mm. they send a weekly email. And in last week's email, uh, there was a thing saying video games just announced Dead Island 2 coming coming in February 2023. And um, I just thought this was quite funny because the last time I saw a trailer for Dead Island 2 uh, was when I was watching video game trailers back in 2015. So this this game has obviously gone through several um, levels of development hell mm. um, to get to, to where it is now. And I very much look forward to being a patient gamer and paying $5 for this game in March of 2023. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> I can't imagine it's going to it's going to ship in um, any kind of playable state. Dude, wasn't this was such confusing news to me because I could have sworn there was two... Um, what were they called? Um, what's the name of the game? Dead Island? Dead Island. I always thought there was two Dead Island games. I remember playing one, and then like something else came out, and we yes. played the other one. So Dead Island Riptide, yeah, um, is yeah, was like the the sequel, I, I guess sequel in quotation marks. Um, and like Twilight Priest and I played that through together. We you know set up two consoles and two TVs side by side. Oh wow! And oh, yeah. it was on the exact same engine, offered absolutely nothing in the way of innovation on the first one, um, and. <laughs> Yeah, very glitchy, stupid zombie fun. How long was that game? Do you remember? Oh, bro, we're going back. No, I can't yeah. remember. I can't okay. remember. Yeah, I think, you know, in in that weird um, era of video games where everything was grey and brown, but also mm. they had the run times right, and video games yeah. were like ten to sixteen hours, and never more than that. It was yeah. it was totally part of that era. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, uh, it's hearing like Dead Island two come out. I'm like, haven't we done this? It feels like this weird Twilight Zone sort of, um, <laughs> you know, de deja vu thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yes, was that the trailer that had um, the 
person running down the street or whatever it was like a cg trailer yeah the trailer was actually incredible um mm. for the original dead island it was like played in reverse and it had oh, this, that one yeah oh. and it had this piano music and it was actually fucking really good um mm. but yeah it's you know those those games are just games you can't recommend and maintain your integrity um, <laughs> yeah. but it, well, it didn't didn't riptide ship with like a, a bloody torso of a bikini model like, bro the twilight <laughs> priest has that fucking torso i, know, I, know. <laughs> I remember seeing it when we lived together yeah like, what the fuck is this thing yeah um, oh fuck good times yeah. Um, yeah but i think that that team went on to make dying light which right is absolutely the best parkour experience in video games i had a lot of fun with that game but again can't really recommend it not very good uh terrible story terrible animations terrible voice acting mm. uh lots of glitches but just a whole lot of fun hell yeah yeah i remember uh, dying light 2 came out fairly recently i think it came out this year actually and it's it's like this looks not like anything for me you know like it's, <laughs> yeah it's kind of it's it's got the ubi thing you know where it's like fetch questy and there's like a map full of icons i think it came out around the same time as i i oh my god i'm having a stroke <laughs> elden, elden ring, ring? <laughs> i almost said Iden ring uh yeah and so yeah i was like kind of doubt on the whole you know the traditional way of making an open semi-open world video game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, anyway. and yeah dude the marketing as well for that game was like there's 500 hours of content and no yeah i don't want i don't no. want to <laughs> Do you know how many better games I could fit into 500 hours of my life? I could be watching anime. Because <laughs> I'm an anime boy now, don't you know? Oh, oh my god, anime uh, boy. You know, speaking of anime boy, before you dive into this week's topic, have you seen Mob Psycho? I have. Uh, I saw the original season, or the first season, I should say. Uh-huh. And then I think I saw all of the second season, but I can't be sure. I can't, I can't remember if I stopped towards the end. Okay, right, right. Because, um, you know, based on your trajectory where you've seen, like, One Punch Man, uh, the uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, like, Mob Psycho is totally on that level. He's in the mix. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I love season one of Mob, and I'm yeah. pretty sure I loved season two as well. Hell yeah. Cool um, beans. Yeah, I've been... I watched... Oh, I'm in the middle of watching a series on Crunchyroll right now called, uh, what's it called? Something High School, Ultimate High School. <laughs> Ultimate High School Bro, Fighter. It's a, it's a fighting anime. If you, if you, if you type in Ultimate High School into Crunchyroll, you're going to get 2000 results. Yeah, I know. That's why I, well, I had it recommended to me by some YouTuber that I watch and, um, I remember trying to find it on there and it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is it Ultimate High School? I gotta know. Um, yeah, it's 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 dumb as hell. No, it's not called Ultimate High School. I don't know what it is. It's all right. We we can't we can't recommend what we don't know. Yeah, and I've been reading uh, Chainsaw Man. I'm up to like issue seven now, so I'm speeding through them. Hell yeah! Oh, it's so good. Chainsaw Man's so good and dumb. <laughs> um. So, shall we? jump on in bro slather me up and uh throw me down the anime boy slide (laughs) yeah speaking of anime boy this is this is right down anime boy's 
um, gullet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on this week. I'm real weird. Like, oh I've been awake God. for too long. The vibe is off. That's yeah. uh, no, good. I'm here for it. All right. All right. All right. So this week's topic is animation in video games. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, like we, you mentioned a little while ago that you, you thought it'd be cool if, if I did this topic and I'm like, I don't really know. I mean, I can talk about animation in video games for a long time. So please, if you have any like questions or um, like you want to cut me off at any point, please do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm happy for another edgy cast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, cool. but I, I definitely am interested to hear maybe what it's like to actually hold a job in animation for video cool. games or film and television and yep. like, um, what that, what that looks like on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, oh, and I, totally. I don't want to get too um, clinical and job interviewee, but like one of my favorite questions to ask in a job interview is, um, let's say I'm a successful candidate. What does my day look like when I come in at eight in the morning? Um, oh, yeah. And and yeah, I'm 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 interested in that side of things. But if if you've got an agenda, then um, then yeah, let's uh, let's hear it. Hell yeah! All right, I love it. We can do all of that stuff and more. But first, let's start <laughs> with a little bit of history of animation. All right. Um. So this is very uh, um abridged the version of history that I'm about to tell. There's so much more. And as with most history of animation lists, there's always, like, stuff, like, huge chunks that are missing. You know, they'll be like, here's all of the Disney history. And it's like, well, what happened before Disney? And what about anime? And what about European animation? You know, like, there's so much stuff that's missing from any one of these lists, including mine. So here we go. <laughs> all right. This is the uh, white colonialist uh, history <laughs> of animation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, totally. Um, So, in 1872, Edward Mybridge did his sequence of photos capturing a horse's feet leaving the ground for the first time. And so... Holy shit, 1872. All right, all right. Let me just put my feet up for a second. All right, I'm ready. (laughs) We're going back. I'm I'm ready. (laughs) We're going so far back. You're like, I want to know about what happens in your day-to-day. And I'm like, but first, (laughs) over 100 years ago. Holy shit. Did you know? Yeah. Um, and so this is a fantastic resource for people still today. This series of photos that Edward did in back in the 1800s mm-hmm. um, of various things. He filmed using a... Um, they didn't have, obviously, film cameras back then. They only had regular photography cameras. Mm-hmm. And so he set up a bunch of photography cameras all in sequence in order to capture, using a timer, mm. specific motions. So oh, yeah. he would he would take, you know... People walking and running and jumping and horses and other animals, birds, bats, whatever, you know, you name it. He just went out and laid out a bunch of grids and took a bunch of photos of stuff moving around. And it's uh, it was kind of like a bit of a compendium of the way we move. Cool. Uh, and I think it's like such a important milestone in, in animation because no one was drawing anything, you know, like it's just this dude in his camera and he just wanted to like capture something. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's really sick. So then moving hastily along 1928 steamboat Willie was done by good old Walt Disney. Oh man. And you know, I bet so many people know exactly what that is because of the Simpsons. Yeah. Well, it's actually at the start of all Disney movies now. Like if you go on Disney plus and watch an animated film at the start, it'll play a little section of steamboat Willie. Oh, really? That's cute. Yeah. You, do you recognize what it is, Steamboat Willie? I mean, yeah. I, 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 again, just from The Simpsons, it's like him 
in front of the furnace steering yeah. and he's like whistling. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. Um, uh, I've never actually watched all of Steamboat Willie. Uh, I don't really want to. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, it's a <laughs> rubber hose animation and rubber hose is talking about the limbs of the characters being bendy like a rubber hose mm. um, cool. so yeah there's, there's heaps of other animations done in that style back in that, that time mm-hmm. um, jumping forward a little bit 1938 Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was the full uh, the first full feature length motion picture animation wow so yeah this is huge obviously to do a movie in an animation it's just like you know previously we'd done five minute 10 minute long things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and they're all just pretty limited there's just like a little bit of music in the background and maybe a few sound effects like slathered on top and this is a fully voice acted cast movie wow Uh, 1938 that is that uh, you know i've seen that film and i would have guessed that came out much later than that that's pretty incredible yeah it is incredible it's uh, whenever i look back and think about it it's like oh man they really just jumped the gun big time um, wow. And then 1957, Hanna-Barbera. So this was a series of cartoons by a um, production company called Hanna-Barbera. They did the Flintstones and Scooby-Doo and you uh, know, yep. uh, television animations. These were like taking advantage of a lot of the lessons learned from the early days of animation and doing it cheaply and quickly and making it mm-hmm. you know straight to TV so people could enjoy animation. Yep. Uh, 1986, Studio Ghibli released their first movie, Castle in the Sky. Oh, and can I just say, the soundtrack to that movie is fucking bonkers. The soundtrack oh, awesome. to that movie is killer. Um, obviously, the animation is quite good. And this is like pre-Miyazaki Studio Ghibli. But, yeah. man, my my one takeaway from that film was the soundtrack. It's so good. You know, I don't think I've actually seen Castle in the Sky big big recommend oh, sick i'll have to watch it um and then in 1986 you know basically around the same time three years later from studio ghibli's first movie uh, mm-hmm. little mermaid released and oh. uh, this was sort of ushering in the golden era of animation for disney so they did aladdin the rescuers pocahontas milan tarzan all that sort of stuff around jesus time. christ what a run yeah. it was a massive run they you know there was like hits and misses like strewn in there as well but there mm-hmm. was still just so many big big boys yep um, so the reason that I put that there was because before this, and, and this is so weird to think about, but in 1980, the first ever commercial 3d video game is released called Battlezone. Mm. Um, I'm going to send you a picture in the discord of what Battlezone looked like. It was a tank fighting game and Hell it was yeah. barely 3d. So you could move the quote unquote camera around and it would sort of cycle these geometric lines and you would be able to you know, see tanks moving around, which are also these geometric lines. Yeah, right. So this this is a game where you're actually in a first person perspective yeah, as a tank. Down the it's yeah. not it's not uh, it's not third person, but yeah, it's extremely um, rudimentary. Totally. And then um, Maze Runner came out in 1981, and it's weird because this looks like a step backwards, but this is a 3D maze game. Um, and again, it's just like, it's barely 3D. It's just the implication of 3D sort of oh. algorithmically slathered together. Do you remember this game? Dude, I had this game. Yeah. This game looks terrifying. I mean, yeah, it had, there, there was like some sequels to Maze Runner as well um, mm-hmm. that I also had. And dude, the whole 
experience was super eerie. Like yeah. I remember you could find these kind of, I don't know what they were. They were like polygonal aliens or vehicles and like they would follow you sometimes. And Ugh. the music, like sometimes there was no music and it was just kind of atmosphere, which now that I think about it feels super advanced yeah. um, for the time. But yeah, definitely, definitely a weird video game. Like not the kind of game where it's like, whoa, you know, sit down with your mates and check this shit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, imagine like turning the, the computer on and being like, hey boys, check this out. It's like the screen that I sent you with footsteps approaching down the bottom. And it's just like, some, there's no movement on the screen. It's completely still. Wow. Fully 3D. Um, yeah. And then uh, Doom came out in 1993. There and, it is. Uh, yeah, every, this... ev every time we do the history of anything, Doom, Doom is, there. is there. Yeah. Yep. Waiting for it to be mentioned is always there. Uh, Doom. <laughs> And so right. Doom, similar to um, 3D Monster Maze, is, you know, another maze runner, but obviously a lot more refined and had uh, non-geometric or non-orthogonal shapes. You could go down, you know, diagonals at any degree you wanted. Mm -hmm. And that was, a, that was a big deal for 3D games. So does, does orthogonal mean only forward and backwards and left and right? Um, there's a better word to describe it. I'm just blanking on it right now, but... The, right. the the yeah the, i can't remember the name of it it's like cartesian is that up and down left and right? yeah, whatever it, it, it's just like you could all, you can only go forward back left and right in traditional 3d games and now with doom you can sort of go you can strafe diagonally. yeah 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 cool um, yeah so that was pretty sick and and doom had some limited animations in it as well you know there was like sprite sheets of explosions and uh imps obviously we yeah. love an imp yeah, man, run, um, running around, they had shooting yeah. animations, the guns would flash at you. I feel like that that shit's a pretty big jump from Maze Runner. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, there's obviously things in between Maze Runner and Doom, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to make the, the big jump to sort of show you just how quickly we came. <laughs> mm, <laughs> we, came mm. to, we came to be with Doom. And then, in uh, a few short years, in 1996, Super Mario 64 came out. Good lord, I mean, yeah. yeah, the the movement in that game is just it's. I think I've talked about it before, but like, that game fucking broke so many brains. Yeah, like it was just not only the big move from like two D to three D for Mario and like platformers in general, but just that that game just still plays so well. And it's kind of like Doom in that regard. Like, you can pick that up now as someone who enjoys the latest and greatest video games. And it's like, fuck, this, this still feels really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of the greats. And um, a, a lot of the stuff that they did in Super Mario 64 is still, like, you know, a lot of basic movement stuff in in modern video games doesn't capture the same style or the same panache mm, that 64 mm -hmm. had there's there's so much cool momentum stuff going on and um just the way he leans around corners and you know the the, the responsiveness of a lot of the jumps and the way you can move around midair is all very special yep yep um and so yeah the the Super Mario 64 is a, is a huge deal and it also kind of set the tone for a lot of what 3d animation looked like in video games like they sort of pine it's in the same way that you know the original disney movies 
pioneered stuff like the 12 principles of animation which we're going to talk about in just a second oh my um, god super, super mario 64 uh sort of pioneered a lot of the techniques and um ideas behind 3d animation in, in video games as far mm -hmm. as i know i haven't seen any other examples as early as mario 64 to do what it did mm -hmm. and to still have the sort of you know influence that it, that it does mm -hmm. um so 12 principles of animation let's speed through them um these are sort of just like the basic building blocks as set down by disney animators back in the day mm -hmm. um so there are other you know approaches i think um in eastern animation like in you know asian countries where they where you do anime and stuff like that there's a different set of principles right um and you know different ways of doing things though this is this is kind of widely regarded as like you know the basic build building blocks blocks to understand and talk about animation mm -hmm. and you've probably heard of some of these okay so uh number one is squash and stretch so when things get squashy when you press down on them and when they stretch when they move really quick mm -hmm. um anticipation uh, anticipation can be broadly understood as the thing that you do before you do something else so, you know, mm -hmm. if you're about to start moving left, you usually move right a little bit first. Mm -hmm. um, staging. Uh, this is more where you place things on the frame or in the, on the screen. So if you want to say, you know, have a character talking to another character, you need to understand staging so that it looks like they're actually talking to one another and not crossing the line and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, number four is straight ahead and pose to pose this is more like a method for animation i won't go super duper into it but it's more just a different way of um actually creating the drawings um right. straight ahead straight ahead is like you just draw uh and you don't really plan things out you just have like an idea for how it is in your head and you just like draw drawing after drawing after drawing and pose to pose is more like i'm going to draw pose one and then i'm going to draw pose two and they're going to be six frames apart and then you figure out what happens in between those frames i see um, yep yeah uh number five is follow through and overlapping action this can sort of be best understood as like a whip or as hair so uh you know if you move uh, a whip from left to right there's sort of like a um what, what's a better way to think of it more like a if you're holding a skipping rope or something like that just up in the air and you move your hand left and right the skipping rope would sort of lag and drag behind oh uh, yep yep um slow in and slow out is number six and this is basically um a way to describe motion that isn't like uh it, it's, it's like a smooth way to move something so if you um uh, imagine you've got a, an animation of a car and it wants to go somewhere you know you want to move the car from screen left to screen right you wouldn't just immediately start moving the car straight away it has to sort of slow out of the start as the engine revs mm. and turns on the wheels get rolling and then when it puts on the brakes it doesn't slam to a complete stop immediately it has to it slows down over a period of time because that's how brakes work yeah um, right wow i'm I, i'm so glad that you're here to explain these precepts because <laughs> they are they are not intuitive like yeah <laughs> you cannot read the title and be like yep i understand the process yeah totally um, yeah so so, so would you say just for context, the, uh -huh. this, this, these twelve steps or twelve precepts or, or what did you call them? Principles. Principles. Um, would would you say like if if you're playing a video game, like you can expect to see these um, twelve principles kind of being demonstrated in most examples? Totally. Yeah. Right. There's um. It's more than anything. It's a way for other animators to talk to other animators about the animation in stuff as a way right. of having like a, a shared language yeah okay yep um so yeah 
there's uh, some of this stuff doesn't come up very often you know like you don't say to like a video game animator hey can you um was this done straight ahead or post to pose like you know you don't really talk about that right um but uh yeah there's, there's some of it does come up you know like that a client will be like hey we really want these characters to feel squash and stretchy you know like how do we go about doing that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so it does it does just sort of pop up every now and then right um number six is arc we're nearly there halfway <laughs> arc which is like a way to describe arcing movement so everything pretty much everything ever when it moves uh, you can track an arc so imagine you are walking through uh, a room if you put a little point on the end of your finger the tip of your finger while you're walking uh, and you track that point over time you can see an arc appearing right um so yeah arc is arcs tracking arc is a really nice way to get smooth looking uh natural feeling animation wow um secondary action uh this sort of like in the example that i gave of the car stopping and starting uh -huh. the secondary action would be if you're sitting in that car and you're animating someone sitting in the driver's seat when you slammed on the brakes the secondary action would be the person you know slamming into the seatbelt and watching their head rock forwards and backwards right okay yep so it's, it's similar to um uh overlapping action and follow through but a little bit different okay overlapping actions more for like flowy flowy objects like hair and whips and stuff secondary actions more for body parts mm -hmm. timing uh it's really hard to explain timing and spacing they normally put these next to each other i don't see spacing on this list but timing and spacing is a principle it's hard to explain without becoming a 2d animator <laughs> so i'm just gonna leave that one there <laughs> okay. it is a very important one but it's just too complicated to explain over audio uh all right how, cool. can, I, how can i yeah it's it's basically the time at uh, which things happen and how <laughs> that's, just, that's so abstract <laughs> uh, exaggeration um this one's for like you know typically nat naturalistic movements if you just draw them you know rotoscope them if you had like a um if you were copying down exactly what someone's movements were frame by frame it would mm -hmm. sort of look a little bit odd and swimmy and like um not very appealing mm, and yeah. so a lot of the time as the games animators especially we need to exaggerate certain motions like if you were to frame through mario's punch in um mario 64 or mm -hmm. in super smash brothers there's actually a frame or two where the punch the the uh the fist on the punch gets scaled up mm, yeah and that's an example of exaggeration yeah okay yeah um solid drawing is really just a, a holdover from back when these principles were applying to 2d animation only way back mm. before 3d animation solid mm -hmm. drawing I, I guess could be you know a way to describe having nice poses mm, yeah. uh, poses that make sense yeah. um it's very very easy with 3d animation as we're about to talk about to just sort of move move the character into any particular pose you want mm. and not th think about you know physicality and how they're actually supposed to move and, and hold themselves right okay um just because of the, the nature of the beast and the last one is appeal and this is also a really weird one <laughs> <laughs> right because uh appeal is not just you know something objectively looking good um appeal can be thought of as the trueness of the motion to the thing that it's trying to capture that's kind of the most okay. I, I would say the, the broadest uh, understood version of appeal i've asked so many like super pro animators you know from pixar and whatever what they understand appeal to be yeah. every time i meet someone who's like way more skilled than me or experienced than me i'm always like so dude tell me what appeal is i need to know <laughs> 
what's your version um and so yeah the, the most broadly accepted one i feel is like the trueness of the motion in in appropriateness to what it is that you're trying to capture so like if you're animating a spider does it feel like a spider you know is this something mm. a spider would do is that motion appealing because of the fact that it's you know you really captured the, the spider spiderness of the spider yeah okay yep uh, and that's it that's the 12 principles baby we we smashed it holy shit i'm i'm an animating god now <laughs> <laughs> you have more knowledge than than most folks now about animation um wow so so yeah that's a broad way of of talking about animation and this still this definitely applies to video games all of this stuff when you're going about your day-to-day -day, as you're asking about before thinking about and creating animation you're kind of in the back of your mind trying to at least you know um while you're doing the work have an understanding of all of these principles wow yeah that's some incredible shit. Sip. That's some hell yeah. Um, um, I love, I love when we get into topics that we're really passionate about and like get really deep into the weeds because I just yeah. would never hear about this stuff otherwise. Yeah, it's very good. I'm happy to talk about it anytime. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess from here we can move on to like what it is like to do animation in video games these days. Just like a broad picture of kind of the the scope of what people end up doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like and and maybe off the back of that, I'd really like to know which video games you've played where the animation has grabbed you. Kind of whether that's you know the animation and the world building has grabbed you, or just games where you know you would play them for the animation over everything else even the story mm. and all that kind of stuff yeah totally um yeah I, we can talk we can definitely talk about that after um so uh these days a lot of what animators do um to create the movement of characters on, on for a video game is to create um a set of actions uh, and, and loops. So looping animation is one that can play infinitely, mm -hmm. um, in order to facilitate the movement of a character. And so if we're just talking about like a biped, like a person walking around, moving and jumping and maybe punching or something just to like have a, a, a broad set of actions that we can try and accommodate to, yep. you need, you need to have, sort of have like a resting state. So an idle animation for when there's no, no input by the player. Mm-hmm. You need to have a walking animation for when they do input some motion mm -hmm. uh, and that needs to be a loop yeah and then you need to think about a running animation which is also a loop for when you're sprinting or running and then you need to think about jumping and jumping is typically typically split up into a few different states is what they call them <clears throat> and a, a state can sort of be broadly understood as like um the motion of the player but let's just call it a capsule. This is sort of a broad, uh, a, um, uh, a new way of thinking about it. But just go with me here for a sec. All right, all the right. movement of the movement of the player capsule, the state that it's in at any given time. So the capsule is sort of like it's a Unity term, but it's it's like a neat way to think about it because if you were to just completely erase the idea of the biped or the person being in there uh -huh. and just had like a box, it would look like would... a capsule that would look like a capsule yeah. yeah and so like yeah that's you know at any given time in a video game most old you know most video games if they're 3d animated uh -huh. have a, a a box or a capsule that's driving where the character is on the screen at every any given time and what their state should be right yeah 
So, you know, if you, if you push forward on the control stick really hard and fast, the character will start sprinting mm -hmm. and uh, then go into sprinting. And so the state is like, you know, sprint start. And so you mm. need to accommodate, you need to create an animation for when the character is sprinting and starting to sprint. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, and, and I then, can, I can kind of see how those principles you were talking about before fall into like how many of them fall into something as simple as a character going from idle to sprinting. And it, totally. it, and it made me think of like, you know, in Sekiro, that's one mm -hmm. of my, my favorite, um, uh, like movement setups in, in games in, in a 3d space is the way, um, that, that character goes from idle to sprinting and it's really squishy. Like mm. it, it's, it's kind of like his body parts don't have bones in them almost. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's more about getting from idle to 60 kilometers an hour than it is having a realistic kind of, you know, idle to 20, 25, 30. Yeah. 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 Yes, exactly. So what you've just sort of stumbled on there is like the, the fight that every animation person and every games animator needs to have with themselves in the game and you know, <laughs> the design of the thing right. uh, at, at all times, because there's like this battle between, you know, appealing and good looking animation as that principle of appeal and responsive game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in the case of Sekiro, when you do an action and the fact that it's a Souls-like game, the the action needs to come out pretty freaking quick. Like yeah. it's, you know, you really don't want to be hampering or slowing the player in any way. Mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of like a fighting game as well. There's barely any wind up to a lot of these motions. Um, mm. They need to just like come out on frame one or two or three or four. You know, like in the first, you know, fifth of a second, this thing needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so one of the principles, if you can remember, it was called anticipation. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, let me just make sure I'm right about that because I don't want to misquote the list that I gave before. Yeah, I mean, anticipation, yeah, yeah, principle two. That. Yeah. yeah. Some people call it other things, but anyway, that's the one that we called it today. Um, so yeah, anticipation kind of goes out the window because if you're going to do, a, do an attack and you want it to come out on frame four, like how do you anticipate the, you know, the wind up of the sword? How do you make them get their feet in the right position to get ready to swing the sword? Mm. You know, like if they're a big character, like you are playing in like God of War or whatever, like Kratos needs to swing the ax really quick, but how, you know, how do we get him around to like into a position where he's, he's able to do that and, yeah. and make it feel right? Like that's really tricky. Yeah. Okay. And, and so a lot of how they sell that is through using um, secondary action and overlapping action. Mm, okay. So instead of having um, the anticipation sell the bigness of the movement or the, you know, the heaviness of the movement, it's mm -hmm. more about the results of the movement that right. sort of sell how, how big it is. Yeah. Yep. And then a lot of times if there's like a combo or something like that, you know, let's just go back to our, uh, you know, punching example. If you're going to punch one, two, three times, mm -hmm. you can sort of use the end of the first punch to anticipate into the second punch. Mm -hmm. And so yep. there's like a little bit of anticipation that you can kind of squeeze into, into the motions to help, you know, get the appeal really pushing. Um, if, if you're able to like, you know, think about that sort of stuff while you're crafting the combo, it's like, you know, punch one should feel like good on its own if you press punch just once, but it should also link nicely into punch two with a little bit of anticipation for punch punch two. Mm, cool. Mm. So 
yeah, um, if you're, um, if, if you're sort of thinking about game animation in this way, then you can sort of apply a lot of this stuff to the Mario 64 example, like the mm -hmm. very first example of 3D animation in games. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of some interesting stuff that comes up. It's like, okay, so we need to be able to have animations that scale to specific times. So like in Mario's example, he like starts and stops running um, kind of not immediately, you know, like he'll sort of slow to a stop, which is like another example of uh, slow in, slow out. Yep, yep. Um, and so in order to have that happen, uh, I don't know if, I don't think they used a, um, they didn't, in fact, I'm, vision I'm seeing it in my mind's eye right now. They didn't have like a run stop animation. They just took the run animation or the walk animation and, and sort of scaled the time down until it blended into an idle. Right. Um, and I mentioned something there. I said blended. A lot of the time in video game animation, it's all about how you blend between things. Hmm. So like not, not every animation is going to end at the point that it's able to pick up in the next animation. So like right. in our example of like the punching, um, you know, punch two might end in a place that's really ideal to be picked up by punch three. You know, it, it blends like almost seamlessly. Mm -hmm. But if they don't impact, uh, if they don't input punch three and they go straight back to idle, or if they get interrupted by being hit by something or they like sprint back or do some other input, how do we accommodate for that in the animation? And a lot of the time that's done with blends. Right. And, and so when, when you're working in a studio, how, mm -hmm. how does this look like when it's a part of the workload? Because I can't imagine you as an animator are guaranteed to be animating you know, punch one, two, and three, and anything that those punches might lead into. So how do you then set things up so not only you can blend it so that it makes sense in the video game, but so that you can make sure it's ready for the next animator to work on or, you know, that there's some seamless interaction there so that they can do their work and it will still make sense in the final product? Um, yeah, so, like, there's, there's a few different ways. Like, usually everything is kind of um like structured so um i'm just going to send you an image of a thing called the state machine and so this is something that unreal uses and U unity has its own version i think it's called an animation tree or something like that okay i'll um, try and describe it for our listeners uh it's yeah, like it. it's like a skill tree um yeah. it's got a lot of symbols i don't understand what are those symbols in the little white circles those are the blends. So those are blends. Oh. oh, okay. So um, it's like a skill tree. The uh, base of the skill tree is like the idle animation. And then mm -hmm. there's all these blends between other animations like falling or landing or movement and something called up initial. Yeah. So up initial would be like a, a jump start. I don't, I don't know why they called it up initial. That's kind of a weird use of the <laughs> jumpstart for it. Yeah. But okay. like, if you see, it goes from uh, up initial into falling into landing. Mm. Um, so yeah, all, all of those little lines in between these nodes or states, as I mentioned, they were called before, are mm. like rules. And so like, if we just go between idle and up initial, which we're just going to call jumpstart from now on, mm -hmm. there's like a little, little white node and it's like, okay, I need to know when we can start playing up initial. Mm, and so the, mm. the rule for up initial will be something like, it could be any combination of the following. It could be the jump button has been pressed mm -hmm. 
and also you are not already falling mm. you know like the, mm-hmm. these two things like you can't jump in the middle of while you're falling and yep. you know and then in up initial little plane animation right right um, and there'll usually be some amount of blending that happens between the two you know like it'll say okay we're gonna blend and a blend is really just like a, a computer taking the wheel pretty much and just saying okay we're gonna linearly move these two animations into one another you know like in um adobe premiere or like any ed- editing software like music you can like blend tracks together yep yep yeah it's like it's like that but for motion which is kind of a bizarre concept but yeah, yeah no i can i can imagine it yeah and so then it goes into fall which is like okay you know is the character falling which is gonna, the rule is going to be something like uh has a uh velocity in the down like up and down velocity of like negative 50 so you know that the character's going downwards so you can mm-hmm. track velocity you can track you can track all sorts of stuff off, based off of that character capsule mm-hmm. so you know like the, the programmers or whoever sets up the character character movement component or the capsule will be like you know animators hey animators what do you need to know about you know the states of this thing and you mm. would say oh we need to know how fast it's going we need to know when it's in the air we need to know when it's falling yeah we need to know when it's on a, like an angled surface or you know like is it pressed up against a wall or what's it doing you know like we need to know all of these states you know, what right. is a wall what is the wall how close to bar we to it all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and so using that information we can drive the state machine um and we drive the state machine with those rules and then you know the the states themselves are just animations so yeah that's sort of like the top-down view of um of game animation i guess uh here's a really crazy looking state machine that if your state machine looks like this you probably made a mistake it's just like the above image times 50. (laughs) yeah so imagine okay so the first the first state machine is like a skill tree from uh maybe the first borderlands you know really simple shit your shotgun does more than 10 percent um and then the second state machine is like fuck this is like a skill tree from hell this is (laughs) hell's skill tree the rpg it's just got thirty thousand links they're all linked to each other it looks like a mess have you ever worked on a game where someone handed you a state like this (laughs) <laughs> no no i haven't um oh, i've sort of o- thing. O- only semi-recently been involved in like the creation of these assets like this um these machines mm-hmm. um typically you know like you can you can have animators who aren't exposed to this stuff at all you know like you can say right. just to the animator you know you don't need to be in the game engine you don't need to have any real knowledge at all of what these state machines are doing right. someone else will ha- will handle this like a tech person mm-hmm programmer or a technical animator and then the animator just needs to know the spec or the description of what it is that they need to create you know like we need like a movement start and it needs to go for 15 frames mm, right um, i see and so that they, they can go and create that so you know it, it helps to sort of have an understanding of what a state machine is and how it works to mm-hmm. in create animations but mm-hmm. it's not it's not necessary to to go and do the job right okay um, so man with all of this new information i feel mm-hmm. like i feel like i'm just going to have such like i'm gonna have a more thorough understanding of like what is going into everything in animation in video games when i input actions and that kind of thing which is really cool i love kind of having having a look behind the curtains so so for you is Mm. is there any video games where 
it's been like a deal breaker. Like you're just like, oh man, you know, I could have, I could have done a better job in my sleep. And despite <laughs> this video game being lauded for things outside of animation, I can't push through. Um, versus like video games that really stick out to you as having just like the best of the best when it comes to animation. Yeah, it's tricky. You know, like there's in any in any project, there's like stuff that goes wrong or gets cut or gets added last minute, and it's always easy to think like, "Oh man, I could have done better than this." Easy, like what they've done here is like you know clearly not not complete or not not up to snuff or you know of a low standard quality. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's, it's easy to, to have those thoughts, but like I said at the start, it's like, you know, you, there's also like an understanding that I have of like, Oh, this person probably just joined the team like very late and you know, or like they got, there was crunch and they cut a bunch of stuff that probably looked way better than this. Like there's all sorts of stuff that goes wrong. Right. Um, right. um not that I'm making excuses or anything for, for when it's like really egregious, but, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, the, yeah, there are examples where it's just like, oh man, the, the motion in this is so loving, lovingly crafted where it's, where it's just like, man, I could, I could look at these animations all day. I'm, I'm barely able to pay attention to the game. As a <laughs> right. So what, um, what games have you experienced that with? Um, I think I mentioned it before, but Ori and the Will of the Wisp has really fantastic character animations mm. and creature animations. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um, Let's see now. I came to this unprepared to be asked this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's probably a few. Let's see. Um, oh, you know, um, what was it called? Returnal had some really cool animations. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I mean, that game sounds like it's so far up my alley, but I have. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and yeah, when I say I, I. You know, when I say I don't know anything about it, but it's so far up my alley, I mean, I know that it's a sci-fi roguelike that's really difficult. And that's that's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need, baby. Um, oh, games like Red Dead Redemption 2 had really fantastic animation. Just oh, like yeah. very impressive technical spectacle of like, you know, getting on and off the horse. Like if you think about that from like a state machine perspective, it's like these two moving things need to come together and then sync up, which is you know it's a lot there's <laughs> a, a lot technically to do yeah i yeah. feel like i just had the like mind blown gif where the galaxy just spewed out of my forehead like yeah, <laughs> yeah. now now that you've just given me all this background as soon as you say like a a, a biped getting on a horse i'm like jesus <laughs> yeah yeah fuck that yeah yeah cool um yeah uh what else cuphead even though it's not 3d animated still had some really beautiful animations oh yeah totally and that's like that's probably where my experience with animation comes in where it's like functional animation right yeah. like it's about um move sets and uh what's that what's that word when like an enemy is basically going to show you what they're about to do and they show you oh. using animation yeah, anticipation. Anticipation, right. Yes, that's one of the principles. It's just like, mm -hmm. for me, that's probably something that I rely on the most in difficult video games is like, if you've got a game that's really hard, what makes it fair is that anticipation side of the animation being really clear. Really clear. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah the telegraphing and the um, telegraphing the that's yeah. that's the word i was thinking of but yeah it's totally it's totally that uh second principle too yeah um and then and then the games like disco elysium which are like visually stunning to look at but the the actual animation and stuff in there is fairly restricted mm, like yeah. there's not not really much to talk about when it comes to like the animation there's some like unique animations in there every now and then but it's mostly just like the same walk cycle yeah um so yeah th there's a few there's a few floating around in there but it's um i think i think we're like kind of like still in the not the dark ages but we're we're pretty in the beginning days of like animation for video games there's like mm. the, there's like an r&d team at uh, i think ubisoft that have been like flirting with ideas of like um not it's not machine learning but it's something similar to importing a whole bunch of motion capture data into a system and like having the ai come up with the best choice of animation based on what the player input is right and so like there's like you know there'll be 500 different examples of like walk start animations that have been recorded mm -hmm. you, know, you know using motion capture and it will depending on situation pick and splice together from those 500 examples you know 30 frames worth of walk start animation or run start animation and right. so like yeah there's that whole side of it as well which is like hugely systems based and there's very little you know artist um input it's just like you know maybe tuning some stuff and cleaning up some motion capture data and then you know the tech side does the rest mm, um, yeah so that, yeah there's there's that part to it as well but which you know i i think it's it's still valuable but it's not not for me <laughs> i probably wouldn't I don't, you know, I don't have much to do in that land, so I'm not like super interested in in, <laughs> in messing around in it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, and so yeah, I would say I, I definitely prefer the games that feel like they've got an animator's hand on them, or like I enjoy them more sometimes when I can really feel like, you know, that the love really went into creating this creature, which is like mm. in in Elden Ring and um, games like uh, Monster Hunter. There's just like so much variation and you know huge stuff going on. It's just like man bunch of people really tried really hard <laughs> to make this thing cool and it shows yeah yeah um yeah so so yeah Hell i mean we yeah, didn't dude. we didn't really get into too much of like my day-to-day -day, but um I'll, I'll give you a really quick rundown we've still got a little bit of time all right so like um uh it, it depends at what stage you are in the project like at the moment we're very we're at a specific stage in the project where my day-to-day -day is pretty open yep um so i'm trying to like do this without giving too much away about what, what's going on but um yeah i'll just just pretend you're interviewing me for a job and i've asked you what the day-to-day -day looks like so give me like a one minute uh, answer yeah sure so i would say like look at the current state of like what's going on in the game and try mm -hmm. and in, invent new and interesting ways to do extra things or improve on those things mm, okay so like in a really broad example would say okay the character's jumping um how can we improve this or like you know what's what's a more interesting way that we can make this jump feel cool and exciting or interesting right so straight off the bat there is actually creative input yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah um or like you know like if there's a new system or something unique to be made for the game you know like okay the programmer's got this idea for this new thing that we want to add in or the designer had this idea speak with the programmer and like you know figure out the best approach like what's what do they need bare minimum to get started tooling this thing together and give that to them mm -hmm. and then think about how you would improve it visually over the coming days you know like mm. okay, so we've got this new system where like the character can um i don't Cut know wheel. 
cartwheel yeah like <laughs> okay so how does that work in in tech and what does the tech person need to make this happen and mm -hmm. then how can you make the animation uh, after giving them the bare minimum so that they can do their job uh, yeah. how can you make that make that better cool um yeah that, that's kind of it uh, i guess yeah <laughs> that's what great. you do that's yeah. that's that's a great answer that gives me so much more understanding of, of what's going on there cool yeah it's not it's not super in-depth i wish i could go into more detail about like oh i do this and then this you know but um yeah it's it's pretty that's the broad broad answer hell yeah well before we uh finish things off do you have any closing thoughts on animation in video games um no i think it's going to be cool to see where it goes over the next little bit i think um with ai and art and all that sort of stuff it's it's going to be interesting to see if that's you know where it goes next mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's already some of, like whispers of stuff like that happening you know like um seagraph talks where like people are using phone capture you know videos from phones to create motion capture um hmm. I think, you know, motion capture is always going to have its place in video game animation and it's, it's mm -hmm. definitely really useful as a tool, but um, I think there's always going to be a place for like handcrafted animation and I'm interested to see how the AI adapts to creating something like handcrafted animation, if, mm. if it's even possible. Yeah. So yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm more than anything just like cautiously optimistic and interested to see where that all goes. Um, Hell yeah. 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 Well, if you'd like to hear Joe talk more animation or you've got uh, a different question for us altogether, you can email us at itsalmosttheweekendpod at gmail.com just like Phoebe did. Ah! Phoebe says hello. Uh, Long-time Joe and Daz fan, newly converted E.T. Wakenko fan here, um, which is a reference to... Uh, the AI-generated thumbnail we use for this oh, podcast. Oh, Ike yes, yes. <laughs> uh, not even Joe knows that. Uh, I'd I'd love to hear you talk about romance in video games as a topic. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be specifically about romance games or romantic games, just how games portray romance or include a romantic subplot slash element. Oh, love, what a great topic. Love your work. Stay spicy. Yeah, that's a really good one. Mm. Um and and I, I feel like role-playing comes in heavy with a topic like that because mm -hmm. oftentimes I project my own desires onto the character that I'm playing and so there's a romance subplot that is very much not present in the game I'm playing but very right. much present for my reality. <laughs> yes, yes. See oh. uh, Harry Dubois, Kim Kitsuragi for more information <laughs> every dude that is an extremely common one but yes uh, i love I... it <laughs> cool well that's that's a great topic um, yeah incredible topic can't wait to dive into that one hell yeah all right well i think i think that's us buy the ticket take the ride i hope everyone has a really lovely weekend and uh we'll catch you all when it's almost the weekend once more the weekend the weekend bye <laughs> <laughs>